This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Church, uh, glad you are here at 1030. Um, my apologies to anyone who showed up last week at 1030 and worship was at five. I think that I have contacted everybody, um, but we, we uh, will not be doing, we won't do the five o'clock anymore unless there's something here at the Boy Scout building, simply because you, I don't know how to change like the Google time on the map thing or whatnot, and then it's confusing. Um, so I do know in early January, and I don't even, like sometime in January, we're gonna do a 9 a.m. potluck breakfast. Um, holler. You know, breakfast is my favorite food. Um, I just hate making it. But if it's made for me, I will go to town on some breakfast food. Um, and so we're going to do a potluck breakfast in conjunction with uh, an equipping time on making disciples um, and how we do discipleship groups. Uh, and then uh, it may turn into a two-weeker, I don't know, TBD. Um, but on how do we do this? Like, how do we actually make disciples among one another, among our neighbors, and, and et cetera. And so uh, that'll be in January. I just don't remember the date. For some reason, I'm thinking the 22nd. And so if that's a Sunday, it's probably right. But I, I'm about 14% confident that that's a Sunday. Um, 14. Yeah, I, I was doing the math real quick, and that's what it came out to, um, 14%. All right, so we're going to be in First John chapter 3 today. First John chapter three, and I need I need some help here. I need some uh, verbal participation. Y'all know I like I like verbal participation, uh, and and so don't hesitate if you want to like chime in with a go get them or something like that or amen or whatever like that. I I enjoy what? Come on, Maggie, that's what I'm talking about. I love it. I love it, and I actually think that it, you know it, it's helpful. I think it's good for us just to kind of loosen up a little bit, and um, you know anyway. So First John chapter three. Um, okay, okay, okay. Can y'all think, can you think of anyone, um, any couple, a pair, a, two, a twosome, um, that's what a couple, a pair is, right? Uh, that, that you're like, they are the definition of love. Like they are relationship goals. They epitomize love for one another. Um, can, can, you, can you think of anybody uh, that, that, that fits that, that mold? Give me some nods if yes. Um, some people you're like, that's what, okay. How do you know they love each other? Right, so, so think of that couple and then somebody tell me, how, how do you know they love each other? What? Selfless. They're, they're selfless with one another? Okay. Come on, I saw some nods, so I know there's some people thinking of people. What is it? Yeah, why do you know? They're, just committed. they're committed, like they endure? Yeah. Like, come on, yep, yep, no doubt. How else? They speak highly of one another. Okay, they speak highly, but right, that's good. They don't put each other down. All right. What's that? It's a vibe. They're vibing. They're vibing. That's such a trendy word right now. So we use it in our house a lot. Like we have one room that's more Christmassy than the other. Like we got the Christmas vibes in here. Um, and so, anyways, it, it's a vibe. Okay, that's kind of vague, but I get what you're saying. It's just hard to put a word to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. What else? They argue well. They are shoot. All right. What does that mean? Like they, they come to uh, get okay. All right. They work through things well together. Not against, preach. Come on, right there. Hop up. That is a that's a word right there. I love that. Um, okay. Like I, I don't know about y'all, but I see uh, I just see like an appropriate amount of PDA, right? Like there's a point where you're like, stop that. No, there are people around. Um, but there's like this tenderness, right? They hold hands maybe, or um, you know, just a little sweet little kiss or something, right? Okay. It, it's. The thing with people that, that love each other is we know it because you, you can see it, 
right? You see it actually played out. You see it in selflessness. You see it in reconciliation and forgiveness. You see it in teamwork. You see it um, in, in commitment, right? You see it over the long haul through the ups and downs. You see it in, in the way they speak of each other. Or like you can actually like tangibly list out like, okay, here's how I know this couple loves each other, right? They, they do A, B, C, or D, right? But you don't know someone loves them just because you say the words, I love you, right? Like that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily, I can say I love you all day long. That doesn't necessarily mean I love somebody. Um, and, and it's not just like this feeling, but love is, is actionable, right? You would never say these two people love each other if there's not actions of love associated with that couple, right? Right? You would never say that love is, is just words, it's just a feeling. It involves every single time action. We said uh, two, three, four weeks ago, you know, because John talks about love all the time in this, in this book in 1 John. And we said that, that love, love is the selfless and intentional posture to think and do what is kind, good, and best for one another. Okay, the words, sorry for the lyrics on the songs. I don't know why it's cutting off. On, like, that hasn't always been that way. We'll figure that out. But, but love is the selfless and intentional posture, right? It's not just a one-time action. It's an overall, like, disposition of your life. It, it's the selfless and intentional posture to think and do what is kind, good, and best for another. Right, that's what, what love is. And today, John's focus is on loving one another. In, in 1 John 3, 12 through uh, 17, or 18, I'm sorry. And, you know, in, in verse 12, we get the command, I'm sorry, verse 11, we get the command that we should love one another. And then in verse 18, he says, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. All right, so we get this 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 message, this encouragement to love one another, and love is not just saying, hey, I love you, or like, yes, love is not just sitting here and going, yes, I agree, we should love one another, and then not doing it. Love requires us to get up and do something, to show love to one another, to tangibly demonstrate it. If there is no action involved, it's not love, it's empty speech. And honestly, it's insulting. Right, it's insulting. It, it, it's, it, it rises hopes for people to think there's love and that there's no follow through. It's not love. John's message, John's command is for us to love one another. If you are a Christian, then you have already said yes to following Jesus and his commands. This command is not an option. We, we don't get to say like, okay, I'm gonna love some and not others, or I'm gonna love on you know, Monday through Thursday, but then I'm taking the weekend off or something, right? Like the command if we're a Christian, is to love one another. And now we have the choice of whether we're going to obey that command or not. Whether we're going to put into practice this selfless and intentional posture to think and do what is kind, good, and best for another. And if you are a Christian, the good news is that you have the Spirit of Christ in you to enable and empower you to actually do that. Right, so if, if you're like, yes, I'm going to love one another, good news, that is the will of God. Like, we don't have to wonder, like, is this God's will for me to love that person? No, no, it is, yes, and he will give you what you need to do that. And, and so we have the choice. Are we going to do this? Right now, like, I'm, I'm hoping that as we talk through this, you're, you're, you're thinking with, am I going to do this? This is the command that John gives us. He's just repeating what Jesus said um, for us to love one another. 
And he says in verse 11, right, this is no new message. It's a message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Right, we see it in Leviticus 19, right? If we want to talk Old Testament, the command, love your neighbor as yourself, we see Jesus pick up the same command, love your neighbor, love one another. Jesus elevates it, love one another as I have loved you. Right, this command has been around for thousands of years. This command to love one another is written into the creation of the world and into the creation of you and me. Right, before the world began, and we talk about this a lot, God was, God existed. God didn't begin with the world. There wasn't like this cosmic explosion of God. Like God has always been. And the Bible teaches that God is a triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And for all of eternity, God has existed in love. The Father loves the Son through the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Father through the Spirit. The Spirit is receiving and giving love. God is love. And I don't want to talk too long about this because John's going to say that in the next chapter. God is love. We'll talk more about it there, obviously. But, but who God is, is love. And we talked about why do we exist? Why are you and I here? Why is there a world that began? Well, God didn't need it. God wasn't like running low on, on love. You know, if you've ever read, is it Gary Chapman, the love tank, love languages person? Right, like God's love tank wasn't running low. You know, he's like in, into, you know, year 487,000 million or whatever. And he's like, gosh, I really need some love. I'll create a world with people and they'll give me love, right? If so, if that's his, his thing, he would have created something different because, man, we've, we've not been the best at that, right? And so God doesn't need our love, but because God is love and love intentionally moves outward in a generous desire to share his divine love, he creates the world. You are created to share in God's divine communion. That is our purpose. In love, God creates and then in Genesis 1, he says that we are created in his image. The purpose of our life is to reflect the image of God. You will thrive the most when you are most reflecting the image of God because that is our purpose and design. Right? You will be happiest in your life regardless of circumstances around you when you are reflecting God with your life because that is why we were created. That is our purpose. God creates us in love to reflect his love to him and to others. Love has been here from the very beginning. It is the heartbeat of creation and of our purpose is to love God and to love one another. This is not just some like rule God made up to make life on earth a little better. This is God's design for us. It is for our best to walk in and to live in love. We, we on the same page? This command has been here from the beginning. Love one another. This is your command right now, right here. This is not like after sermon or, or maybe one day when I get past whatever. Right here, right now, the command is for you to love one another. Will you do it? Will you walk in obedience with Jesus to love one another? So what does that look like? If we're going to get you know, practical, what does that now look like? Well, John says, love one another, but don't, don't be like Cain, right? We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. 
We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So if you're sitting here today and if you're with me and it's like, no, no, okay, I want to, I want to do this right. Like I do want to love one another. And I believe that whether you agree with that, I think it's written into your souls that we want to love one another. Okay, how? Not like Cain. What did Cain do? Well, he was evil and he murdered his brother. Okay, duh, right? Like, you read that and you're like, did we really have to include that, John? Like, did we really need an instructional on like, hey, don't, like, don't murder one another? Um, you know, and, and so we gotta go a little deeper into this. This is layered, right? There's more to this than just don't murder. Yes, right? Like if you're wondering, like, what is love? It is not murder, okay? Like, so, okay, cool, got it, check. Um, but what is going on here? What, what's more to this? So if you have your Bible, Genesis chapter four, it's where we read about Cain and, and Abel. So Genesis chapter four, verses really three and, and seven, three through seven. Give you a second to get there. Genesis chapter four, three through seven. What is love is not Cain. Okay, what happened with Cain? In the course of time, verse three, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Cain came to worship God. He, came, he brought to, God, to, to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, his brother, also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel, Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. He accepted Abel's offering. He did not accept Cain's offering. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Right, so, so what's going on here? Cain and Abel both bring an, an offering of worship to God. God accepts Abel's, God does not accept Cain's. Why? Is it because God like, wanted meat and not vegetables? You know, like what, what's the difference, why? why? Hebrews 11 verse 4, you don't have to turn there, the verse will be on the screen. Um, I'm going to go with that as well. Hebrews 11 verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him and accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. What's the difference between Abel and, faith, and, and Cain's offering? Faith. Abel brings his offering to God by faith, trusting that God will accept it because God is good, right? And because, because God wants to accept it. Uh, Abel doesn't believe that he deserves God's acceptance. He just trusts that God will give it. Cain, on the other hand, doesn't trust God. He trusts in his own offering. He believes that he deserves God's blessing. He believes that he's good enough to have God's favor on him. And in that, he sees that God accepts Abel's, an offering of faith, and not Cain's, an offering of self-righteousness. Abel came to God to give to God. Cain came to God to get from God. 
Why do you come to worship? Is it to give God praise or is it to get a positive feeling about yourself? Do we come, do we tithe in order to give God offerings and trust in his provision or do we tithe in order to check off a box or feel that we are righteous and worthy? Cain brought worship to God but it was so that he could get something from God. Abel just brought worship to give to God. Abel trusted that that, that, was, that was enough. Cain believed that he was good enough on his own. From that, an anger rose up in Cain. An anger that his offering wasn't accepted. An anger that the way he thinks life should go isn't how God designed it to go. And, and that anger was directed towards Abel. But, but the issue is not so much with Abel, the issue is that Cain was angry with God. Cain, Cain, Cain was, was disconnected from God. Cain was broken in his relationship with God, and the brokenness in our relationship with God will manifest itself with others. If we're filled up by God, then we have something to give to others. But if we're not filled up with God, all we're gonna do is look to take from others. And when they let us down, it's gonna turn into anger and bitterness and resent, and that can grow and grow and grow to murder. Murder is just the fruit, right? It's just the result. It was this anger in Cain's heart that God didn't do what he wanted, and thus he had to take it out on someone else. It starts with our relationship with God. The reason Cain murdered Abel is not so much having to do with Abel, it's having to do with the brokenness that Cain had with God that it was not satisfying in the way that he wanted. Abel was able to give to others because he was filled up by God. Our ability to love one another, if you think we're gonna go love in our own strength, it's only a matter of time before that runs low. We have to be filled by the love of God in order to give love to others. If we're not filled by the love of God, we're gonna eventually start taking from others. Hate will rise up because they did us wrong. Bitterness will rise up because I deserve better. But when we're filled by the love of God, we're free to give. It's okay if people let us down because God's already filled us up. The problem with Cain and Abel and the breakdown of Cain's love for one another started with his relationship with God. He was angry with God. His relationship with God was broken and it spilled over towards others. If we want to love others right, if we want to obey this, it starts with our vertical connection with God. We love because he's loved us first. We know how to love because he's shown us love. We're able to give love because he fills us with his love. So Cain's problem started first with his relationship with God. Now you may be thinking, I'm not going to murder anybody. But this is, this is more than just murder. This is even just talking about hate. Hating one another, right? That's what he says here in, in verse 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Right, so it's not just like, oh, I, I actually literally killed somebody. Do we hate others? If we hate others, then, you know, we're, metaphorically, we're a murderer, right? We're, we're, we're just as guilty. Hate is just as, Jesus says in Matthew 5, right? Like, oh, it says don't murder, but I'm telling you, if you have anger, if you hold an anger against your brother, you're, you're just as guilty, 
right? And so, yeah, murder is wrong, but so is anger, holding in anger towards one another. It's, it's hate. It's hateful. One of the best ways, I think, to describe hate is just to say anything that is not loving, right? Just think of every thought and action falls under one of two umbrellas, love or hate, Right? We oftentimes think of hate as like this just emotional you know, despising of another, right? Like I just want to destroy them, right? We have this hate within us and I would venture to bet most of us don't have that for people. But, but the Bible speaks more broadly that we either are actively loving them or we are hating them. Everything falls under one of, of two categories. Hate is not just the way we describe hate. Hate is not loving, Right? That's what he, he talks in here. He says we've passed from death to life because we love others. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his mur- brother is a murderer and no murderer has eternal life. Right? You can draw the connections that if we are not loving, we are hating. We are acting in hateful ways. We are thinking in hateful ways, in unloving ways. That's the most convicting way to describe hate. Because it's easy to say, well, hate is bitterness, hate is unforgiveness, hate is rage, hate is wrath, right? Those are, it's easy to say, and those are things that are hate. But what's more convicting is just saying, if I'm not actively loving them, then I'm hating them, right? There's, there's, there's two ways to think about hate. I can actively hate you, or I can just actively not love you both fall under the hate category. Both are, we're either giving love or in withholding love, we're giving hate. Even if it's not the, the more explicit understanding. So, so what, what John is saying here is if we want to love one another, like we can't do it like, like Cain, who yes, murdered, but it, but it started with a disconnect with God. And then it was even hating Abel before he ever murdered him. And it was not actively doing love. Right? So, so to love one another is to actively do love. Anything else falls under hate. Acting in a hateful way. Thinking in a hateful way. So we can't passively sit by. We can't be neutral and I think that's honestly the easy way out we take a lot of times. That we don't think about it. Like, oh, I'm not, I'm not hating them, I'm not doing anything wrong. But if we're not loving them, th- then we're hating. It's only one of two categories. So then what is the active form of love look like? Right, if we're gonna sit here and we say, okay, I want to actively love one another. I want to actively love my, my fellow church member. I want to actively love my, my best friend. I want to actively love my spouse. I want to actively love my kids. I want to actively love my parents, right? Like, what does it look like to actively love? Well, John tells us that too. By this, we know love, okay? You ready? How, what does love look like? By this, we know it. That he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers, and sisters, and moms, and dads, and husbands, and wives, and sons, and daughters. What does love look like? Right, you're sitting here, I'm believing the best. You want to love one another as Jesus has said to love you. What does that look like? It looks like Jesus. What Jesus did, we do, and then we're loving. 
What Jesus thought of others, we think of others, and that is love. What Jesus did for others, we do for others, and that is love. And what did Jesus do? He laid down his life for us. That is how we actively love one another. So I was just thinking about this, and I was like, okay, what is, let's, let's break that down even further. What does that look like? And, and if you're a note taker, I'd encourage you, let's t- I'm, g- I'm gonna give you a list. If you wanna pull it on your phone, be like, okay, I'm ready to love, I wanna love one another, here's my list. He, here are just some ways that Jesus had lo- has loved us in laying down his life for us. Number one, he came. Jesus came to us. Jesus initiated with us. Jesus pursued us. He did not wait for us to show love and then he would be willing to respond with love. He proactively initiated love with us. He came to us even when we were going away from him. Even when we were hostile towards him, he pursued us in love. The love of Jesus initiates. It is proactive. It is thoughtful. It takes love to one another rather than waiting for them to start. In Philippians chapter two, it's one of my uh, favorite passages of, of Jesus coming. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. That can be translated, he let go of what was rightfully his. Love that translation he let go of what was rightfully his. Because I'll be honest, it's, it's easy for me to love when I think that the other person is deserving. It's hard for me to love when objectively they're probably not. And I feel right in myself. I feel b- better than. Jesus let go of his status and what was rightfully his and emptied himself and came to us. He came to you. He came to me. So Jesus, he emptied himself and took on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus' love is demonstrated in that he came to us. If we want to love one another, look around you. Look to your left, look to your right, in front of you, behind you. Like These are the actual people that John is talking about right now. If you want to love them, do not wait for them to love you first, but initiate love for them. Be proactive. Be thoughtful. That's the love that Jesus has for us. And praise God, because if he was waiting for me to get it right, if, if he was waiting for you to get it right, it wasn't going to happen, right? So praise God that Jesus initiated and now we ought to love as he loved. Another way that Jesus loves us is that he served. He says it in Philippians 2, Mark 10, 45, Jesus said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. Right, so it's one thing to think about Jesus, the king, been there for all of eternity. He comes and he lives among us, right? But now, like, he's the king. He, he could sit back, bark orders, Right, command us around. Hey, you do this, you do this, you do that. He's the king. He gets to call his shots, but instead, 
He comes and he moves near to us and he stoops down and he washes our dirty feet as we're continuing to like throw dirt back on our feet and he's just continuing to wash and to serve and he meets needs and he cares for us. He tangibly gets his hands in the mess of our lives and serves us. So often, right, we just want to sit back and keep things nice and clean. Right now, we'll let somebody else handle that. There's lots of people, like surely someone else would get it, right? We, we see a need and we do like the, the Good Samaritan. We're like, oh, don't look over there, right? If I don't see it, it doesn't exist, right? If I don't make eye contact, it wasn't there. And Jesus tangibly serves us and cares for us and meets our needs. He's present among us. And so we too can serve as he served. He, John talks about this here. Verse 17, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Right, John, that is that's black and white, y'all. Like, John's just like, hey, you see someone around you in need and you could do something about it and you don't? Like, how can you go, that's the love of Jesus? We, we can't, we can't. Because Jesus sees a need and meets a need. Jesus cares for our needs. And praise God for that again, right? Because we need someone to clean up our mess of sin. Right? We need to stand before God righteous and holy. And, and we can't do that on our own. Right? Jesus comes and he meets that need by dying on the cross and taking our record of debt away. Right? If Jesus doesn't serve us, we have no chance in a reconciliation with him. And so, if we're going to love one another, how can you serve one another? Again, look around. What would be serving to the people around you? Right? Would it be serving to, to, to do the work for someone that they typically do? Would it be serving to, to care for college students? One more, college students, let me give you a way that you can serve one another. You ready? I think we're all over here. Mostly, Okay. Here's what we got. Y'all ready for this? We got a lot of youngins. We got a lot of babies coming around. Okay? We got a lot of kids. Those parents need a date night. They want to go out. They, they want to go out. They just doubled their bill by paying for a babysitter. Easily. Man, you know the going rate for babysitters now? Good gracious. It's expensive. College student. Get to know these families and demand to babysit for free. <laughs> That's going to make a mom and dad. That is tangible service, right? Your parents with young kids, you're like, we can't go out. I ain't got a hundred bucks to pay for a babysitter. You know, walk up and be like, hey, I got your Friday night free. No, you can't pay me. I refuse for you to pay me. I'm going, you're going to rob me of my service as Jesus. No. Get to know these families and offer to babysit for free. It is a tangible way that, I'll be honest, you have the capacity to do. It doesn't have to be every week, once a semester. And I feel great saying this because I don't have to do this anymore. My kids are old enough, right? I'm not, I'm not even a recipient of this benefit anymore. But, but it's such a blessing in, in investing in your brothers and sisters. Church members, there, y'all know there are people that wake up at, I don't know, six something in the morning so they can be here by 7 a.m. so they can put chairs out for us to sit in. 
and they can put curtains up that maybe somewhat block out the sound of kids from the other room, right? And they can, like, it's a lot of work. It's taxing, you know? It's hard. And then there's people that stay after service and, and, and they, they bust it down. And they're not asking, I'm asking for them, right? Like, let's step in and let's help. Hospitality needs some people, right? Like, there's tangible ways we can serve. And people need meals. We can bring them meals, Spouses, how can you serve? How can you serve your wife? Don't 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 wonder how she can serve you, right? Don't don't, don't wonder how they can serve. just okay. Jesus, how can I serve my spouse? How can I how can I tangibly serve and then and then do it on repeat, man? Just hit repeat on that button. And just play that song over and over and over again. Kids, how can you serve your parents? <laughs> I gotta know. I gotta. Mm-mm, ain't doing it, right? Kids, most of y'all still got parents. How can you serve them? Jesus tangibly served and met our gross needs, right? He didn't keep a distance so his life would be clean. Man, he got in the mess of our lives. There's gonna be some dark nights for us. There's gonna be some bills that we hit. And we're like, I, I don't. I don't know what to do here. How can we come together and serve one another like Jesus served us? To see a need, to know it exists, and to not meet it if we can, it's, it's not the way of Jesus. It's not love. Jesus, he, um, he blessed. Right, it's, it's similar to serving, right? But I think of like blessing as more of a, you don't really need something, I just want to make you smile. Right, I just, I just want to like throw some blessings on you. Like, I, like I, you know, the, the wedding in, in Cana, John chapter two, Jesus goes to a wedding and, and they run out of wine. And, and that's, a, like, that's an insulting thing for the host of the wedding. And, and so Jesus takes these barrels of water and turns them into wine. Like he just extends the party. And not just like wine, but, but the best wine, right? He just blesses them. Like he takes this moment that is celebratory and there's no tangible need there. Nobody needs more wine. They're going to be just, the couple's still married. They're just fine. But Jesus is like, man, let me just, I'm just going to send a blessing here, right? He just blesses this scenario and turns this water into wine. How many times can we just bless people? How many times can, can we just bless somebody? Man, send them some crumble cookies with a little note hey, you are the chocolate chip to my, I don't know, like I was trying to come up with something. You know, send them some cookies. Right? Hey, you know, you think of someone, like, you just name, send them a text, hey, thinking about you, love you, have a great day. Man, that goes so far, just to bless people, like just to go above and beyond. And to, that's what Jesus did. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is ours in Christ. Yo, that's a blessing. Like that's, a, that's superfluous. He came that we would have life and not just life, but abundant life, right? Jesus isn't skimpy, right? He, he brings the good stuff. He brings the name brand. I'm, I, how can we be a blessing to one another? That's love. That's the love of Jesus. Jesus, the way he loved, he endured. Loving is, is selfless and thus it can be exhausting, you know, it can be exhausting when you're like, I just want to receive and do nothing, and yet Jesus calls me to give and to love. 
but love endured, right? Jesus gets to the garden the night that he is betrayed, and he's like, God, Father, can you take this cup away? Nevertheless, your will be done. Hebrews 12 said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The cross was not easy, make no mistake. Knowing what he was going into was not easy. It was not some joy ride, and yet in love for us, he endured so that he could give to us. So we endure, we commit to endure, and we trust that the Spirit of God in us will enable us to endure. I think one of the biggest reasons we don't love well and enduringly is we just get exhausted and we don't trust that the Spirit of God will give us what we need to keep going. We just don't believe it. But he promises he will. His love endures. And his love, the last thing I wrote down is he, he laid down his life. Literally, he... he sacrificed himself in order to lift us up. If Jesus doesn't lay down his life, you and I are hopeless for all of eternity. We're left on our own strength to try and measure up to a holy God. In case you're wondering, we failed that test a long time ago. But Jesus comes and the king the creator who created you and me, right? Who created us in joy to share with us when we walked away from him in selfish rejection, he pursued us and not only did he pursue us, he didn't show up and be like, hey, get your stuff together. He showed up and he laid his life down in order that ours can be given back to us. The only way we have a relationship with God is if Jesus does that. And in love, he gave up everything for us to be lifted up. 2 Corinthians 8 says that he was rich, we were poor, and he became poor so that we could become rich. Right? Let's talk money. How many of us want to become poor? How many of us want to empty our bank accounts to give it to someone who's poor so that we can become poor and they can become rich? Right? Like, let's get tangible here. Jesus laid down his life for you and for me, and we are called to do so also, to lay down our life for one another. And here's the deal, we're gonna stumble and we're gonna fall and we're not gonna do it perfectly and so we repent and we get back up and we get going again. And over the course of time, the, the gap between us falling and loving poorly gets wider and wider and wider and the, the depth with which we fall gets shallower and shallower. And sh that's called sanctification, right? We're continually growing in him. We'll never be there perfectly, but we can continue to grow. That starts with, right here, right now, a decision to love, not in word or in talk, but in deed and truth. Will you and I actively love one another this day, this moment? Will we work to create a posture in our minds of love towards one another? It's just always thinking about how do I love this person? Oh, there's someone new. How do I love this person, right? And it becomes second nature. How do I love my neighbors? How do I love my family? How do I love the stranger? How do we love one another? Will we humble ourselves before God, ask him to strengthen us, and, and commit to walking that out? That, that's the command that J John gives us. That's the command that Jesus gives us. And it is for our best and the glory of God. Love one another. Love one another. Fix our eyes on God. Be filled by him and give love to one another. Trusting that he will enable us. The spirit of Jesus who loved us first will give us what we need to love one another. 
It really comes down to trust. Do we trust him? Do we trust that this way is good? Do we trust that this way is better? I pray and I hope that we will be a people in a church marked by love. So imagine the good around us in our homes, in our offices, in our city. This radical, relentless love of Jesus when we demonstrate that. May we be that people. Tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.